across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyben, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. Alrighty, Rockstar Nation, listen up. I have the solutions if you are looking to build a massive, wonderful team that nets you a million bucks a year. Net, 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 not ECI, but net. I went to Omaha, Nebraska, and I hung out with Jeff Cohn and the Omaha's Elite Real Estate Group and filmed everything about how they sell 600 homes a year how Jeff nets over a million bucks consistently and doesn't go on listing appointments or buyer's appointments, doesn't even take calls from angry clients because nobody really knows Jeff. They know Omaha's elite real estate group. I mean, he's really got this figured out, right? We had to net a million dollars without being beholden to other people when he walks into the local mall and it's a cool way to conduct business and net a million bucks 600 homes a year five years ago they were doing 80. so we took this all this footage and we broke it down to 76 videos we made 73 quizzes to make sure you get it in your head and we included a bunch of downloads that him and his team use we got videos of their secret team meetings, of their admin meetings, of their uh, agent accountability meetings. We got videos of their agents prospecting to real life clients. Find out how you can build a team where everybody gets along with an incredible culture, where everybody is hired right from the beginning. Massive amounts of retention here. People stay. And how agents lead generate from day one for their entire life there i mean it's unlike any team i've ever seen and uh, you can get it now at rebusuniversity.com for the holidays we are offering 50 percent off and also because it's a brand new product so it's going to be a limited time we're going to offer 50 percent off so jump on over to rebusuniversity.com and check it out. I even put some free videos and free quizzes, like three of them. I just picked three random ones. So you could go on there and kind of test drive the car for free, so to speak. RebusUniversity.com. Okay, Rockstar Nation. Boy, we have a super guest today. I have the founder and the CEO of Realty Shares who are an incredible company out of California, and we are going to dig way, way, way deep into new disruptive technology when it comes to real estate investing and just real estate investing as an asset class and why it's changed so drastically to be one that's accepted today, whereas 20 years ago wasn't certainly wasn't anywhere near as accepted. And so without further ado, I'd like to welcome Nav, Athwal to Pat Hyman interviews real estate rock stars. Nav, welcome to the show. Pat, really great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to, to talk more about uh, real estate investing and technology. So Nav, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody so they can get to know you better? 
Sure. Uh, my name is Nav Athlaw. As you mentioned, Pat, I'm the founder and CEO of an online real estate investing marketplace called Realty Shares. And the URL there is realtyshares.com. Um, um, but, but before diving into what Realty Shares does, just a bit about my background prior to founding the company. Um, I spent about a decade in the real estate industry, started my career in real estate brokerage, um, where I was helping folks buy uh, and sell commercial and residential assets in California. And then transitioned to uh, real estate law, where I spent about three years prior to founding the company, and mostly there working with large institutional clients, public and private REITs, large funds, and doing some of the largest deals in and around the San Francisco Bay Area. So some great exposure across different types of, of real estate industry verticals. Um, and then in 2013, uh, decided to jump ship from the law firm and go full time into what we're doing at Realty Shares, which, as I mentioned, is an online marketplace for real estate inv investing that connects investors looking for exposure to private real estate deals with real estate companies looking to raise capital from those investors. Okay, so let's dumb this down and, and simplify it as much as possible. Essentially, what you're doing, Nev, is you are taking investments as low as $5,000, right? That's exactly right. The minimum to, to invest is 5000 and And you're allowing investors to invest 5000 or more in real estate, but they can go online and they can pick the project that is raising money for real estate. So whether it's a, a row house in, in Washington, D.C. That's, that's being rehabbed or it's a 500-unit apartment complex in Mississippi, they can go on there and pick where they want to be, right? Exactly. So it's, it's not too dissimilar from picking individual stocks on like an E-Trade. When you come on, create an account, and then you could browse opportunities across uh, product type, across geography, across return characteristics, and then allocate that $5,000 or more to that specific opportunity. So, so you get a lot of control and transparency with, with the process and how it works on the platform today. And now talk to me about why did you decide to do this? So I actually um, am a passionate real estate um, person um, and, and passionate real estate investor. And I was actually doing my own deals in 2010 and 11 and still do some some deal investing today. But um, in that time, there, uh, in that part of the market, there were a lot of opportunity to, to buy assets uh, at a really great value. But capital and raising capital, especially on the equity side, but also on the debt side, was the biggest blocker to getting more deals done. It just takes a lot of time. It requires a lot of effort. It takes away time from actually looking at deal flow. So going through the process of trying to wrangle capital and comparing that to the experiences I had when I was representing large clients doing big deals and the efficiency they have, I mean, that di divergence between smaller deals and larger deals is really what prompted the idea behind creating a marketplace to provide more capital availability and easier access than, than what, what's available offline for, for quality developers and operators. Wow. So you started as the developer or, you know, yep. you know the guy that was raising money for the deal. You started with that perspective and then, and, and then you've created this platform where it actually, you know, now obviously it's benefiting both sides. It's benefiting the investor who normally nowadays, the way loans are realistically, if you want to get a turnkey house and it's a hundred grand or 200 grand, you're going to put 20% down, maybe 30% down. So you're going to put 60 grand in a, in a 200 house or 40 grand in a 200 house plus closing costs. And so a lot of people don't have that, right? And a lot of people don't want to put all their eggs in one basket. Or, or become or become landowners and have to worry about managing property and 
and, 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 and worry about plumbing and, and all those other issues and, and want to do it more passively. Hmm. So here we have this platform. And so how many deals have you done since 2003, would you say, on Realty Shares? So we've uh, helped finance over 400 uh, investment projects uh, to date, and that's been across uh, over 1,000 properties. A single investment could have one property or it could be a portfolio of properties. So uh, we've done quite a bit of volume now um, since inception through the platform. Wow. Okay. And let's talk a little bit about how you choose, number one, what to allow your investors to invest in, right? Because you're not going to obviously put up you know, something that's a, that's a bad deal or you're going to over something that someone's going to overpay for. And so how you select your, first of all, let, let's just talk about it. Let's talk about the due diligence you do on the raise end. What kind of deals are you investing in and how do you make sure they're not a bad purchase? Right. No, that's a great question. So, um, curation and, and, and vetting of the deals is a core function of our marketplace. Um, and that really starts with, uh, so we have an actual dedicated investments team and that team has backgrounds in real estate, private equity, real estate debt, real estate debt originations um, from companies like BlackRock, Blackstone, Colony, Northmark. So we're really dedicated and sophisticated team of, of investment professionals is sort of the, the gatekeeper to any deals that go from you know, being uh, an application on the platform to an actual listed deal. Um, and what we really look for right off the bat is who is the actual developer? Who's the operator? What's their track record? What's their experience level? How many deals have they done in the past? Is their background check clean? Is their credit okay? And, and, and something that we can live with. Um, so it's really looking at them first and the principles of the operator first and getting comfortable with their track record experience, financial and background uh, health. So they, um, and, so they have to qualify. They have to qualify. And what if exactly. they don't? Like, what if they're just a new guy and, and somehow he runs across a $2 million deal and he wants to do it and he calls in and says, hey, you know, do I qualify? Yeah. So um, if the, um, the developer doesn't qualify, then we let them know that, you know, it's not a fit um, because you don't meet the criteria. If he doesn't our- have a track record, would he not be qualified, he or she? That's, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we found that. A lot of the success of a real estate deal has to it has to do with the track record and experience of the actual operator. Um, so, you know, if they don't have the experience, we may work with them in the future um, when they've built up that experience. But we'll typically let them tell them is, you know, the minimum criteria yeah, you're not meeting today, but it doesn't mean you can't um, at some point in the future. We're not uh, a capital resort, um, a capital source for first time operators and developers. Um, but once they have that track record, we can be a very scalable source of capital for them. So w- other than the proven track record, what are some exact qualifications one would need to raise money through Realty Shares? Um, so, you know, the the track record, obviously, there are specific metrics around the track record. So we're typically looking at either number of deals done or uh, total dollars under management in the past. So number of deals on the on the residential side, we're typically looking for someone that's done at least three um, deals in the past. On the commercial side, our, um, our criteria are a little stronger because uh, it's a more sophisticated uh, and complex asset. So we're typically looking for at least $25 million of, of prior assets under management. And then we're also looking at the actual deal itself. So uh, on the deal side, we're looking on, so we do both debt and equity financing. On the debt side, we have certain criteria around maximum leverage, minimum FICO, and and also we have market grades we assign to every uh, geography 
Um, and if the deal fits within the grading um, system we've established, then we'll do the deal. And if it doesn't, we won't. And pricing will also depend on, on where it falls within that, that credit box. If it's a riskier deal but that, that we still want to do, you'll have a higher cost to capital. And if it's a less risky deal, meaning leverage is lower or FICO is higher, then the pricing will be a, a bit on the lower side. And, and when you say FICO, you mean? The credit score. The, of the person. Of the person. So yeah, right. I mean, each, wow. okay. each developer entity will have, yeah. I mean, that's, that's only if you're looking for debt capital. If you're looking for equity, then, then we're doing a background check and we're, we're looking at financials, but we're not diving into the, in the FICO as much. But um, we're really looking to make sure that the, there's a credit-worthy borrower behind the actual loan. So on the debt side, we, we do a FICO check on all our borrowers. Yeah. So if you have a low credit score, you have a felony or something like that, you're going to be like, eh, you don't qualify. That's exactly right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So let's talk about returns. So how do you quote returns? How does one make returns? If I'm going to invest, let's say 20 grand today, what can I expect? Yeah. So um, we have, you know, one of the beauties of our marketplace is we have varying and, and, and diversified offerings. So we have debt offerings and residential, we have debt offerings and commercial, we have equity offerings and commercial. So the returns and, and, and rate of return will really depend on the type of deal you invest in, um, but we do give you a broad opportunity to get diversification. Um, on our debt deals, um, typically these are structured as short-term bridge loans, so they're usually 12 to 24 months in duration, um, and there's a stated interest rate that the investor is getting. So over a one-year period, the annual, annualized interest rate is typically going to range from 9% up to 12%. Um, and that interest is going to be paid to the investor every month. So every month they'll get a distribution and it'll be the pro rata share of that interest income um, that they're entitled to as an investor in the deal. Um, so that's how it works on the debt side. It's not too dissimilar on the equity side. Um, um, there's typically going to be a monthly or quarterly distribution that's flowing from either the borrower's own balance sheet, if it's a non-cash flowing deal, or if it's a cash flowing deal from the actual operations of the asset, the cash yields from the asset. And those are paid back to the investors on a monthly or quarterly basis. The other really interesting um, and unique element of our marketplace is it's all through our uh, through technology. So both the investment process and getting into a deal is tech enabled. So you can do it, you know, through your through your laptop or tablet, and you can complete it within within a matter of minutes. But so is the active management of your deal. So you actually have access to a dashboard once you invest on the marketplace, and there you can get earnings reports, you can get tax documents. And that's where you're getting all your distributions as well um, on the underlying asset. Okay, so on the due diligence side, what would the cash on cash return be that you are looking for for it to qualify or the projected cash on cash, I should say? Yeah, so for a commercial deal, we're typically trying to target a stabilized uh, cash on cash of at least 8% um, yield over the, over the, the whole period of the deal. Um, and then we're typically targeting an IRR that's in the mid-teens. So typically 14% plus is what we want to see. So that's those are some of the high-level returns. And that would be, and, and, and the way, guys, listening, that the, the two things we're talking about, and we've mentioned these on the show before, but if you put in 100000 and you have an 8% cash on cash, that means you're going to get 8% each year, $8,000 back each year, passive income. The internal rate of return would include disposition, would be, which would be selling the asset. It would include uh, potentially refinancing the asset and, and getting part of your equity back, which would then 
change your cash on cash and 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 give you more of a return what else would would you say makes the internal rate of return at 14 percent go from eight percent to 14 percent explain that to the people listening so irr is really um, a function of both um, uh, return and time so if a, a property is held for a very short time frame, you're going to have a higher IRR than if it's held for a longer time frame. So um, IRR is not to be confused with equity multiple, which is another metric to be used to measure return on a deal. An equity multiple means like if you if you have a 2x equity multiple on a deal, that means you've doubled your money over the duration of the uh, investment. But an IRR, and so equity multiple doesn't take into consideration the actual time the property is held whereas an IRR does. But you're, you hit it on the dot, Pat. The IRR includes not only the cash you've received during the hold period, but also any upside realized when the property is actually sold or in some cases refinanced. So those are the, the, the core kind of uh, elements that go into the IRR cal- calculation. Excellent, excellent. And doesn't it include depreciation and principal pay down too? Uh, no, th- typically the IRR is pre-tax. Okay. Uh, so there's additional t- uh, benefits from, from the actual... Um, the, the tax deductions that are inherent with how real estate works, which is depreciation typically. Okay. And I know up until recently, the laws prohibited you, securities laws prohibited you from, from anyone that wasn't an accredited investor, which means, what is it now, a million dollars in net worth or, or 400, 200 Gs a year income or 400 as a... Three, 300 as, as a joint, uh, joint 300 income. 300 as a couple. Okay. 300 as a couple. So the pool of people that could actually invest in syndicated real estate deals was, was much smaller. Now, everything has changed, right? And that's to your benefit. Yeah. So things have started changing. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about that. So the Jobs Act was actually put into law in uh, 2012, um, April of 2012. Um, and that had a few different uh, ex- uh, new uh, pieces of legislation that would allow non-accredited investors to participate in private securities deals through online platforms like ours. Unfortunately, it took a long time for the, uh, the SEC to actually promulgate some rules around how that would work. And so it was delayed for quite a while. But um, in uh, 20. 15 and 2016, we saw both Title III, uh, Title III in 2016 and, and Title IV in 2015 go into effect. And both of those pieces of legislation make it much easier for issuers and, and companies like ours to allow um, um, to expand the base of investors that can participate to non-accredited investors. At Realty Shares today, we're only still catering to accredited investors, but we do have, um, we are working on ways to get non-accredited investors involved uh, in 2017. But today, we are still working under existing uh, regulation. Um, and really, that's because, you know, Title Four and Title Three are so new still, they're still not tested, and, and, and there's still a lot of unknowns. So we, we wanted to be very methodical and thoughtful around how we utilize those exemptions to get non-accredited investors participating on the platform. But that is something we're very excited about. Okay. Um, so, Nav, talk to me about investing from, uh, you know, from one state to the other. If I live in Maryland and want to invest in California, what challenges or, or no challenges at all do we, do we deal with with that? So, uh, historically, the, the problem was, uh, you know, it's, it's really, real estate's been a very hyper-local asset and investment, right? You're typically investing in a market where you can drive to the asset or, or really manage that asset because if you're if you're not an active manager that's when things go terribly wrong um, but with realty shares the active manager in the deal is the the underlying sponsor and that underlying sponsor 
knows the market, may even live in the market, and has their own money in the deal. So I think we're really um, broadening the potential for real estate investing from being a very hyper-local investment to being something that can um, be much more national. Um, so we see a lot of our investors now investing in markets that they otherwise would never have had access to. An example is, you know, a lot of folks in California um, or now, you know, from our platform, investing in markets like Texas and Chicago. So historically, it's been really hard because it's just hard to actively manage a deal when you're not, you know, near the deal and, and have close proximity to the property. But when you have an active manager um, like one of our sponsors that's using us to raise capital, managing it, you can be much more passive in the deal, which means you can get a lot more um, exposure to broad a broad set of geographies. Interesting, interesting. And let's talk a little bit about the evolution of real estate as an asset class as you see it. Now, you know, I got in a real estate sales game in 1987. And back then, and I would say all through the 90s, there were a handful of landlords. Uh, there were people in the real estate game, but there weren't a whole lot, right? There weren't, the people just didn't talk real estate. The stock market is, is cash, stock market, they're, primary residents, that's kind of where they had their wealth. And come forward till today, and now everybody, especially with programs like yours, can get into the game, and everybody seems to be. It's much more easier to raise cash for real estate as an asset class. So why do you think that's happened? So I, I think um, real estate's always been an asset, uh, a class that's been very important to diversification and also is an important wealth building asset. So um, a lot of very sophisticated investors like the large institutions and the Harvard and Yale endowments are two very prominent examples, have at least 20 to 25 percent of their portfolio allocated to real estate. But unfortunately, as you mentioned, it's really hard to get into the market, right? It's capital intensive. You know, if you're doing it when you're buy, where you're buying an asset outright, you're also becoming an active property manager, which a lot of folks just don't have time or knowledge to do. And it's just geographically limited. Um, so you're heavily concentrated within one asset in one market. Um, but I, I think there's been a, like a fundamental shift in how, through technology mostly, on how um, real estate investing works and how, you know, it could be a lot of the challenges inherent in it can be removed. And I think we're obviously at the forefront of it, of it by utilizing technology to provide a broader uh, access point for deal flow around the U.S., providing lower minimums and a much more streamlined way to invest. Um, and I also think there's been a shift generally um, in consumer mentality in terms of their willingness to use the internet to invest their money. Um, I think that shift first happened with the Scott trades and E-trades of the world that made it much easier to invest in stocks directly without using a broker. Um, and so that was the first kind of, I think, version 1.0 of it. But now you have uh, platforms focused on all kinds of alternative investing, you know, with small business investing, there's consumer debt that Lending Club and Prosper pioneering, um, there's uh, robo-advisors like Betterment and Wealthfront. So I think you're seeing a fundamental shift generally in how comfortable consumers are with using the internet to invest. And as we all know, the internet's a very powerful tool to create a lot of efficiency where it doesn't exist. So I think real estate's always been something generally individual investors have wanted exposure to. It just hasn't been an asset that's been easy to get exposure to historically, and, and now it's uh, fundamentally changing. Great, great, great answer. So, so let's talk. I'm glad you mentioned the management aspect of it. Let me let me ask you about that. So, somebody brings you a, a something that you're going to put on your website that says, "Hey, 
this guy's raising or we're raising money for the shopping center in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And are they required to maintain a certain percent of ownership in that so that you know that there is uh, someone with skin in the game on the ground there? Yeah, that, that's that's you hit it on the dot, Pat. I mean, part of our diligence is making sure the developer has a track record, but also that they have alignment, and that's really through their co-investment. So our minimum required co-invest for equity is 10%, um, that, and that's net of uh, any fees that the developer may be collecting, You know, a, a typical fee is like an asset acquisition fee. Um, but usually we'll see developers around the 20% uh, co-investment range. So that's 20% of the equity, not 20% of the total capital required for the deal. Um, so, so that's our minimum. 20% of the equity versus 20% of the total capital required and explain what the difference is. So a, a perfect example would be, let's say there's a $10 million deal um, and uh, there's $7 million of um, uh, debt on the uh, property and then $3 million of equity. The 10% would be on the $3 million, not the entire transaction. Oh, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Okay. And then what are you doing to make sure that that 10% owner – Right, the guy that's got say three hundred thousand in the game, who has raised two point seven million from people uh, that put their their trust in your website. How do you ensure that this guy is not running the place to the ground? That he's not addicted suddenly to crystal meth? What do you you know? What are you doing to protect everybody that invested that two point seven million? Yeah, so I mean, it really does start on the front end of, of verifying the track record and making sure that this developer knows what um, he or she is doing. Um, so it really starts there. But, but beyond that, once the deal is closed, we also have a very active asset management function, both uh, that's internal to, to, to Realty Shares. So that team is really responsible for uh, getting uh, quarterly or monthly updates and reports from the developer. Um, you know, and also at times sending out an inspector to go view the property to make sure that it's. Um, still um, in shape, in good shape, and, and it's not being run to the ground, to, in, in your words. Um, so so the, that active asset management and servicing function is really what helps us ensure that the deal is, is performing as projected and that the numbers are in line with what we anticipate. And if they're not, or if something's, uh, something's not right, then we would be able to take action pursuant to the governing documents of the deal. So that's how we stay in, in the loop. Yeah, that, and, and, that would be my next question. Like, what if they're not, you know, do you have the ability to go back and, and take control of it? Yeah, so it depend, I mean, on a debt deal, it's very easy. Uh, we can foreclose if, if anything ever, if the borrower is ever in default. Um, and there's obviously non-payment default, but there's other kinds of default. Um, so that's an easier uh, path. Um, for equity, uh, it's typically the operating agreement of the LLC that dictates what our rights are relative to the developer. Um, and yeah, and in a lot of cases, we'll have uh, rights in, in the case of, of, of negligence or, or mis misrepresentation or fraud or gross mismanagement to be able to take over the asset and, and find a replacement manager. It really depends on the deal and the specific transaction, but but those are things that we're, try, we're definitely trying to negotiate as part of the deal. Okay. Okay, great. That sounds good. So, so you know, these numbers are good. You got 9 to 12% on, on the if I heard you right on the on the lending, the hard money or the bridge loans, you've got eight to fourteen, depending on how you want to calculate it on on the equity side of, of being an actual owner in the shopping center or office building or whatever it may be. What do you get? What does Nav and Realty Shares get for setting this whole brilliant thing, setting it all up? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, just one clarification point: the the equity. Um, 
the range of equity returns, uh, just just so it's clear to your listeners, eight, eight is the cash on cash, and we can see that cash on cash from 8% up to maybe 10 to 11%. Okay. But the IRR numbers are 14% is typically the low end. We can see IRR numbers as high as 18 to 19% on the platform. So there's awesome. a broad range there and much higher return than the debt, but obviously a little bit more risk. Yeah, and uh, is, your goal, is your goal, or is a lot of people that actually come to you with properties, is it their goal to sell in five years or is it do you generally tend to find people who want to hold these things forever yeah i mean well there definitely are folks out there that want to hold an asset forever you know i think there if an asset's cash flowing and you don't have a lot of external capital in the deal you know why not right um, because once you sell the property, then you're looking for that next one <laughs> to avoid bank taxes. So, uh, but but our developers are, are all are all the operators that use our platform are professional developers, and they, so they do have a, a timeline on which they anticipate uh, exiting the deal. And the, one of the reasons that prompts them to do that is, you know, most of their return is made when the property is sold, right? Because yeah. they're typically making a waterfall promote. And if, uh, if the property is never sold, they're, they're only making those modest fees that they may be collecting during the hold period, but they're not making the bulk of their return. Right. So, so, so you're saying that, right, the developer is only paid over and above the 8%. Is there, I guess here's the question, is there a minimum investor return? Yeah, there's, so typically the way we structure our equity deals is with the preferred equity, uh, preferred return hurdle. And it's typically 8%, but it could be higher or lower depending on the market. And ab- above that 8%, profits are disproportionately split where the sponsor will get a carry of you know, t- 20 to 30%, and then the investors will get the remaining profits. And it's going to be really hard for you to hit that hurdle rate um, just through cash flows. Um, you know, you could hit it, but the, there's not going to be a lot of upside beyond that. Right. So, so they're, they're, not, they're not paid on that. So anything, yeah, they don't get paid yeah. until 8 point something percent cash on cash, right? Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, the hurdle, the preferred return, and if it's if the cash on cash isn't sufficient during the hold period to pay it, then it accrues and it's paid when the property sold. Um, uh, any 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 back owed preferred return. Okay, and then what do they get on the back end? The the sponsors typically take in twenty to thirty percent, and the investors are getting the sixty to seventy percent of the remaining profits above that hurdle. You mean the, the seventy to eighty? Yeah, seventy to eighty percent of the, of the upside. Of the upside, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's good stuff. So, does Realty Shares take a management fee? Does it, you know, does it cost? Is there an application fee? What does the consumer have to be concerned with if someone listening is thinking about, you know, I, I, I can throw five grand at this and see what it's like, or I can throw a hundred grand from my retirement in here and see what it's like? Talk, talk to me about that. Sure. So, um, it's a little different for debt and equity. So, so let me talk about each separately. But um, on the debt uh, deals, we take an origination fee from the borrower, um, and that doesn't impact investors because the borrower pays that, um, and that's typically two to uh, to three, uh, two to two and a half percent, depending on the borrower. Um, in California, if you're doing loans in California, we could be as low as one percent. We're very competitive. Um, and then we also take an interest rate spread. So, if the borrower is paying an interest of twelve percent. We may take one to two percent on the top, and then the investor would get ten uh, percent. Um, so that's a, a spread on the on the actual interest. Um, so that's how we, it works on the debt side. All of this is disclosed on the deal page that uh, is dedicated for the specific opportunity, and all returns shown on that deal page are net of uh, of our fees. So when you're seeing nine percent on the platform, that means nine percent, not nine percent less. You know our spread. Uh, which would already be accounted for in that in that return number. Uh, on the equity side, it's not too dissimilar. We take a you know a, typically a one percent asset management fee, and, um, that, and that's taken from investors. So 
uh, if the deal, uh, if the investors are getting from the deal, you know, a 15% IRR after our fee, they may get a 14% IRR. IRR. And again, that's shown on the deal page. So there's no surprises. And then our broker dealer, um, third-party broker dealer, takes a placement fee from the uh, the deal of typically two and a half to three percent um, on a deal. So, and not is to that, be, is so, that is that a disposition or is it? A, no, it's, a, it's at origination. It's at origination. So that's sure. okay. It's so you take that up front. Fee. Okay. Yeah, it's equivalent to the origination fee realty share, shares takes on the debt, but on the equity side, it's taken through our broker dealer, third-party broker dealer. So. And then, what about? Uh, is there a management fee? Yeah, that's the, on the equity deals. There's a one percent uh, asset management fee that we take. And annually. Then, and then when you sell it, is there a fee? We don't take any disposition fees. Okay. Okay. So you get 1% on the front end, 3.5% on the front end, and then 1% a year, essentially, right, on the management. To, That's exactly right. To, and then everything else is internal, the management yep. of it, uh, all that stuff. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Nav, this has been a fascinating conversation. And, you know, this has really not truly been available, especially for as little as five grand. I mean, you cannot, you can buy a ghetto property for five grand in, in, <laughs> in, in some areas of the countries, but, you know, you're definitely not going to want to manage it. So this is a way that you can say, hey, I got some of my portfolio in real estate, which we highly recommend on this show. And I'm going to put all of NAV's information. I'm going to put all the Realty Shares information, some direct links to everything that we talked about today on hybendigital.com backslash Realty Shares. That's hybendigital.com backslash Realty Shares. NAV, this has been great. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. And I wish you the best of luck. And if I'm ever in the area, maybe we can get together and break some bread. Pleasure, pleasure, Pat. Uh, this was uh, awesome. Really enjoyed uh, talking to you, and, and you know, thanks for the thoughtful questions. And just one last sort of link to share with your listeners is, you know, uh, you know, please visit us at realtyshares.com backslash podcast and sign up there. We'll and you can find out a lot more about our platform and how it works. But Pat, thanks again. I mean, I'll have to uh, also visit you if I'm ever in uh, South Carolina. You got it, Nav. All right, have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.